You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Well, good morning. You know, I'll try and be brief this morning for the sake of all of our screen time, but can I just give us a quick update on where we're up to with the virus and then we'll move on from that conversation, if that's okay. I think we all need a different conversation, but I think it's important just to share just a couple of things. So firstly, I believe we need to embrace the shaking that we're going through as a country. If this had only gone on for maybe just a month, most people in most places would have just tried to flip back to normal as quickly as possible. I do wonder what the Lord is trying to do and seeking to do in our hearts and the hearts of the people in this country. Our new new normal will be different. I'm not talking about social distancing and all of that. I just think some things needed to change. Some things are changing and will change and we need to embrace it and we need to seek it. Whilst we're living in days and in times of restriction, that doesn't in any way limit God. You know, when the Apostle Paul bowed his heart before God, his restriction was lifted and he was redirected. So restriction can lead to redirection. So what happened at Paul's conversion was a moment of correction and then there was reflection and then there was repositioning. This is a moment of redirection for us all. The restriction that we're currently facing will bring redirection. We are seeing at the moment just a global upsurge in in those exploring faith. We shouldn't scoff at that. This is an important and profound moment. We also, well I I believe that we're also going to see a rise in secularisation. But again, we only need to really look at church history to realise that this is a powerful moment that we're in as a church globally. The movement of the Father doesn't change, but the model does. We are likely to see, and I believe we are seeing, the restoration and the acceleration of compassion. People's hearts turning towards a compassionate response of the people in their city. Therefore, we're not coming to the finishing line we're in many ways coming to the starting line. If we choose to embrace this moment of redirection, I believe we're going to see many moments, God moments, profound moves of God in the days ahead. We're a people of faith who need to really embrace all that he has for us, all that he's doing among us, and all that he's birthing in us, and all that he's birthing in this city. Whilst we wouldn't choose these times. These are profound days and we need to be people that seek out and listen to and respond to the voice of the Father. Okay, that's that's the first thing. The, the second thing is how will we come back together? You know, a lot of people are asking us that, what will that look like? How are we discerning that? Well, we, we obviously we don't know when that will be and it could be quite a way in the future, but we'll consider four things. We'll probably consider more than that, but let me just share four things that we're constantly considering. Firstly, we want to do it prayerfully. I know, you know, I know at the minute we can't, but when we can, just because we can doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. We want to be led by the Father rather than to seek to forge our own way and our own lane. And that's going to take a moment of trust 
and a moment of faith to hold on to his course and his leading and directing, sensitively seeking to listen to his voice. The second thing we want to do is we want to do it honourably. We want to honour the movement that we're part of. We want to honour the other churches that we partner alongside in this city. We want to honour the government and the local civic leaders in this city. We want to honour the school that we meet in. You know, we're, we're partnering in this city for the long term. A short-term view would be one that focuses on just us rather than something much wider. And doing something short-term could be detrimental to all that's ahead for us. The third one is we want to do it safely. You know, when we can, we will. But we need to bear in mind what that looks like and the implications of it for us, for others, for the school we meet in. You know, we've seen the significant consequences of meeting too early of many other churches across the world and the implications that that's had on the church and its reputation in a, in a wider area and, and also that local area. And it's quite troubling to see how some of them have done it. And then fourthly, we'd want to do it quickly. When we can, we want to do it quickly. Our thinking on that may, of course, change, but we don't want to drag this out over a long time. It's not good for us. It's not good for you. It's not good for the teams. It's not good for a sense of family and unity. A long staggered return could be a lot more painful than us limping on and limping through some of the challenges that we face by not meeting. So when we can, we'll, we'll weigh and we'll review all of that. We'll seek out what the Lord is saying. In the meantime, in so many ways, we can try and embrace the restriction that we're currently facing. Because we, I would say, and I think what we're seeing is that we're doing more, we're connecting more than ever before. You know, in small group interactions, through Alpha, through serving the city, all of that is on the increase. Just because we're in a time of restriction doesn't mean the Lord is restricted in what he's doing. There are a lot of people currently in the front door of the church. The visibility of the church has probably never been higher. And we can't tire of that. We need to embrace all that that is. We just hope that we're a people and the people who are exploring us aren't people that stay in the front door because we all want to be back in the living room of the church, being relational and being family together. I hope that's helpful just to share that. Of course that might change but that's currently the lie of the land and that might just answer some of the questions that you're asking. But today I want to continue the series that we've been on where we've been looking at the people we are and the movement that we're part of. We've got a crystallization moment at the minute. The Father can touch our hearts in a way that shapes us and we want to embrace that and we want to be equipped and prepared for all that's ahead. So today I just briefly want to look at vulnerability. It's such an important part of how God shapes us. He shapes us often through vulnerability. Um, we called it publicly, we called it openness, because I thought if I called it vulnerability, you might, you might run a mile. But before I launch in, let me just tell you a real quick story. You know, when I was younger, once a week, me and my mate, we used to go to a youth group. And that youth group met up in a, in a it met in an upper hall of this building. And it, I mean, it sounds obvious to say it, but it had windows all around it. I know buildings often have windows but it's kind of an important detail because everyone else in that youth group would sit around chatting and me and my mate just wanted to play football but we weren't allowed to because of the windows and they thought that we'd smash a window so we eventually convinced them 
that we could we use a sponge ball and uh, they said we could so what we did is we got a sponge ball covered in plastic and it was kind of a football which was stretching it a bit but it was way better than a, than a sponge one anyway you'd walk into this room through a double door it was like a double fire exit that you'd walk through which was the perfect size for a football goal and then at the other end of this room there was a single fire exit which wasn't quite right it kind of gave the height of the goal but we then had to mark on the wall just to, to give it um, a similar size to the one opposite it it needed to match the other end you can see how seriously we took this at like the age of 14 or whatever it was anyway me and my mate we arranged it that pretty much every time we were always on the same team we love to try and sit, score the same kind of goal I'd set him up with a peach of a ball and he'd try and volley it in and when we pulled it off our celebrations would be absolutely ridiculous ridiculously over the top can you can you imagine that can you see that moment so anyway i've smacked it over on this particular occasion and he's belted it and it's gone into the top corner absolutely beautifully and as over the top celebrations have begun he runs through the goal which is the fire door at the far end the single one and he kung fu kicks the fire exit bar you know like the bar in the middle of the door that you if there is a fire you'd whack it to allow you get to get out anyway the door swings open and he slides out of the door and I come following him at pace ready for like our over-the-top celebration a pylon or whatever it's going to be now the only interesting bit as I mentioned earlier is that we're in an upper hall okay so he hits the fire exit stairs which are can you imagine you know on a fire exit stairs it's often like a sheet of metal with the like the little bobbly bits on it that whatever they're called just to give you the extra grip but the bobbly bits don't give you any grip whatsoever and so it's a cold and frosty night and he's landed on this sheet of metal with the bobbly bits and he just starts to slide on it now the next challenge that we face is that the fire exit stairs are in a zigzag so as you go out of the door they immediately turn left so the the piece of metal on the platform that it opens out onto is literally just the width of a single door and um I think you can kind of picture the scene with me. I was going to build this out of Lego so that you'd understand, and then I realised I think I'd just make it worse because my building skills probably aren't up to it. But anyway, he's now flat on his tummy, face down, sliding, feet first, about to drop over the edge. Uh, I'm sorry, I know this is like a family family showing, you know, but don't worry, the story ends pretty well, even though it doesn't sound like it. Anyway, as he slides out of the door, he reaches out to the youth leader that stood in goal in the doorway. And thankfully, that particular guy had remarkably quick reactions and he grabs hold of them pretty much as he's half hanging over the edge. And for want of a better word, he probably saves his life, if I'm honest. Now, I turn up seconds later not fully realizing what's just happened seeing them both lying there in some kind of weird embrace thinking it's part of the goal celebration and i basically just pile on thinking that that's the celebration and and virtually create the same scenario of him dropping over the edge again and you know i, I laugh about it now we can't we kind of did then if i'm honest but in the moment we both actually everyone in that room had a real jolt as to what had just happened. Sometimes you become aware of your vulnerability.
you get a wake-up call and it changes your mindset. Today, I want to highlight to us some of the strengths of us being aware of our vulnerability because I believe it plays a major part in the effectiveness of our discipleship and the growth of our relationship with Jesus. So let me just frame it like this. Our awareness of our, of our vulnerability, if we allow it, could be a really useful tool to firstly connect us with God, secondly to connect us with each other, and then thirdly to connect us with our weakness, which ultimately connects us with God and with each other. So firstly, let's, let's look at it like this. Firstly, it connects us with God. You know, in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, knowing that the time he's in is leading towards him going to the cross. Let me just read it to you from the Bible. It says this. He said to them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus was in agony in over the approaching pain that he knew, the physical pain that he knew was coming, also the separation from his father and the death for the sins of the world. But the divine course was set, but in his human nature, he still had the burden of that and knew that that was going to be a struggle. Of, of course he did. You know, when we go through things, through pains and challenges and loss and grief and hardship and financial and relational burdens, whatever it might be, a pain with an employer or an employee, pain of watching others choose a path that we don't believe is right, pain of loneliness, pain of singleness, pain of not seeing hopes or dreams or aspirations become a reality, pain in this time, this particular season, you know, of not seeing family or friends or seeing the loss of freedoms and seeing many restrictions, pain of not seeing breakthrough, pain of not seeing breakthrough for physical healing. The vulnerability in those times, if we choose it, can cause us to fall on our face on the ground before God and cry out, my father, God, my father, please be more in my life. You know, to long for his will to be done in our lives rather than our own. When we're vulnerable, we allow God to move and our vulnerability in that season connects us with God. As we read in the Gospels and we see it time and time and time again, again, as we hunger, as we have a desperation, as we have an openness, it becomes a lightning conductor for a move of God. Giving ourselves completely to the things of God means there's very little or even no wiggle room for whatever might be left over, which is often our personal agendas. Our worth and our value then starts to be derived from Jesus, not from the opinions of others. Our cues no longer come from the situations around us, but from the spirit that has been birthed and growing within us. Jesus provides us with a sense of significance, security and value, and the life we seek and the one that he invites us into grows and becomes more full as we find life in him. The truth is that any area of our lives where our needs get met outside of Jesus is really just an idol 
to us. And when we try and meet those needs through idols, life doesn't work well. You know, the significance we gain from a career or whatever it might be will only satisfy us temporarily. Soon we'll need to conquer another hill or meet another goal to feel significant again. Vulnerability creates an invitation into a new way of thinking that is rooted in the things of the Spirit. Our vulnerability connects us with God. You know, the second thing is it connects us with each other. Vulnerability connects us with each other. A lack of shared history is not something that need delay or prevent us from building relationships and community with each other. But over a period of time, the shared experience of life is often what forms us and bonds us together. And those bonds as between us, as often then as they're stewarded and nurtured and cemented, that's done through the process of being real, of being honest, of being accountable, and actually being vulnerable with each other. To invite each other into each other's hearts starts to build trust. We don't always realise it at the time, but it's often as we look back that we realise the importance of those moments. I had something happen to me over the last week or so that caused me to reflect on how somebody somebody particular walked through a season of loss for us as we lost our second child, how they walked through that season and that time alongside us. The expression of their heart to us, their understanding of the moment that we were in, the sensitivity and the creativity and the, the love and the compassion that they poured into us, it changed the depth of how we now relate to them. The vulnerability that we walked through in the past shaped our present that you know that was four years ago plus now but those moments stay with you forever of how somebody walked through life with you they become life markers when people walk into your life in those moments and stand with you and encourage you when they laugh with you when they cry with you they're powerful moments us being real and honest and vulnerable with each other changes the dynamic of how we relate Rather than the shield and the screen going up, with a kingdom mindset, it comes down. It's often vulnerability that allows people to walk into your life, that allows you to be known and for them to know you. I believe we're in a season and we're in a time where the life markers are being laid rapidly around us. You know, how we walk through this town, how, how we interact, the love and the concern and the, the generosity and the kindness that we show, how we do that with each other, how we do that with neighbours and colleagues, connects us with each other in quite a profound way. Let me read 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 11. It says this, Oh dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld love from us. I am asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. You know, Paul's just spoken to the Corinthians in a pretty straight way. He would brought a bit of correction and he'd shared all that he had out of love. And he'd sought to say the right thing rather than the popular thing. And his encouragement was to open your hearts. What he's really saying is, hey guys, be real. Be vulnerable. Allow each other 
into each other's hearts, to, to put your heart in my hand and let me put mine in yours. And this takes time, it takes trust, but it brings with it an overflow of the kingdom. So it brings with it unity, generosity, it builds faith, it breaks down walls, it brings a foretaste of heaven. That's what kingdom living looks like. People might admire your strengths, but they will connect with your weakness because they'll connect through your vulnerability. You know, I'm always stirred by the story of Jesus and the woman at the well, the source of living water, God in human form, asked her for a drink. He could have provided it, but he asked her for it. He asked her to meet one of his most basic needs, a drink of water. We get the opportunity to be real, to be honest, to show vulnerability. And that allows, that invites, that creates an open door for others to come into our lives. And that creates the environment through which the presence of God thrives and grows and manifests. How, how can we do that? How can we be that more? What does it look like rather than to build the wall or the barrier, you know, to put up the false face, but to actually share our hearts and to be real and to be vulnerable with each other? It's why I'd say we always talk about the need for small groups, to be in small groups together, to form these times and these moments together. It's what I really miss about this season. It's times of being around the barbecue together or the chimney or whatever that might look like for you. But it's the time of being real and being honest together in person. It's fascinating. I would say, actually, we don't have to wait to be together to do that. I, particularly for guys we're seeing in this time, they're often more open online and in settings online than maybe they previously would have been. Just because we're online doesn't mean any of this should be any different. Our vulnerability connects us with each other. It connects us with God, it connects us with each other. And then finally, vulnerability connects us to our weakness. I wonder if you've ever had or seen or been in a moment where you've seen or experienced vulnerability. I know you will have. I was thinking about some of them. You know, the first day you drop the kids at school, you see the look in their eye. I can still see it, the vulnerability. You know, first day in a new job, the moment you walk into the staff room and literally you know nobody. You can sense your own vulnerability. The first time maybe you drive, you drove a car and you actually have to work out where you're going and what you're doing without anybody telling you. Or, there's, you know, there's so many moments in life that can cause you to feel vulnerable. But what do they look like in our lives with each other and in our lives before God? Honestly, I think it keeps us humble to know them, to realize them, to experience them and to express them. It's so important that we have times of self-reflection. We don't always get everything right. You would know that of me. Surely we, we just don't. If our measurement for living is Jesus rather than ourselves, we'd do well to regularly, daily reflect on what we're looking like, on what life is looking like, and on what we might need to change. So really it's taking time and making space for self-reflection. We, we can't be people who say, well, that's just how it is. That's just who I am. Well, you could say that if your model for living is yourself, but it isn't. Our model for living is becoming more like him. I'd often reflect back on a conversation I'd had and I'd think is, was I like Jesus in that moment? 
Did I word that well? Was I kind? Was I loving? Was I patient? Did, did I invest and champion the person I was chatting with? Was I meeting my need or was I washing their feet? You know, the, the season we're in of restriction helps us if we allow it to realize that, to take moments of reflection, to, to be aware of our weaknesses, because so much is weak, but we don't always see it that way. Houses, jobs, careers, everything is so vulnerable and fragile in reality. I'd, I'd say, particularly in this time, I'm quite enjoying the moment of sitting close to Jesus and learning and trying to learn to embrace that. I, I find it quite liberating. I think I've always been aware of my weaknesses, but now actually really enjoying experiencing the vulnerability of them because it draws us closer to Jesus. The more I see of my weakness, the more I see of him. You know, regardless of the many ways that sometimes we try and avoid admitting it, people in society, I say this as a general sweeping statement, but often they have short attention spans and society teaches us to want something new in our lives constantly, almost on a moment by moment basis. So often we've, we've looked to things or we've looked to people that vulnerability of this moment causes us to realize all we've really got to look to is Jesus. Our vulnerability helps our humility. Our weakness causes us to find our strength in him and in him alone. This is a, um, a subtle pressure, I think, in life, is often to avoid vulnerability. It teaches us so often the, the culture of life teaches us to try and be strong, to overcome any obstacle, to brave face it, to strong face it. Now, I'm not against all of that in the right context and manner and in a way that honours God, but there's nothing greater for us than to fall on our knees before God, often with tears streaming down our faces, realising actually we're not, we can't, we aren't, but he is and he alone is and he alone should be. And when we put him in his rightful place, it changes everything. It frees us, it heals us, it liberates us. But to be in that place, we have to choose to go there. Let me give you an example. Imagine you've got a perfectly mowed lawn, which many of you probably have at this stage if you've got a lawn because you've had more time to do it. But imagine it's a bit like Wimbledon, but then right in the middle one day you get up and there's a dandelion and it's got that pesky yellow flower and the stalk and the alarm bell is sounding. You've got a weed right in the middle of your perfect lawn. So what do you do? You walk over and you, you rip off the head and you pull out the stalk and, you know, job done. That's the end of it. Well, you, you could do that, but you probably wouldn't because that's quite a short term solution. In a week, the thing will be back and the likelihood is it will probably come back with its mates. You know, there'll be a few of the jolly things. The, the way to deal with it is to take the root out. You've got to get to the root. Vulnerability is often one of the mechanisms in life through which the Lord uses to get to our roots, to allow others in and to allow him to refine us and to mould our lives, for us to become more like him. And we do well to pay attention to that as a mechanism and as a tool. So what's, what would that look like for you today and this week to be more vulnerable with others, to be honest and 
to be real. It will connect us more with God. It will connect us more to each other. And I believe it will humble us and allow him to grow in us the fruit that he desires in a greater measure than we're currently seeing. I hope that's helpful this morning. Why don't, why don't we just spend a few moments just resting and waiting on the presence of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to move in our lives as we actually come before him in vulnerability and invite him into our lives. Why don't we do that? Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.